Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, christ-life.org. We are all about the in Christ message. And each week, Warren Litzman takes us through the in Christ message in a way that we can really understand. He has a way of putting it. Right now, we are into the foundation of the Christ life message, the foundation. We started this a couple of weeks ago, and it is really wonderful and so encouraging and educational. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and hear what the Word first has to say, and then we'll listen to what the Spirit has to say. In Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, Galatians 3 and 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not unto the seed as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. First Peter 1. First Peter 1 and 20, 1 and 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then again in 1 John 3. 1 John 3 and 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for God's seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, it is very obvious from the reading of these three texts that I have pulled out probably the three strongest texts in the Scriptures that deal with the seed. The seed. You hear me speak much of the seed. The seed is the father life which is put into the human being. The seed is the ultimate end of God love. The seed, therefore, according to most original translations, is the sperm, Greek word sperma, of God, which literally means that the seed is the semen of God, which places Christ in us by the giving of that seed. There is not too much you can know about this. 
When I first came to the understanding of our union with Christ, I hit several obstacles because I was polluted with theology, doctrine, and man-made religion, which I had taught and been a part of for many, many years. And so I had to get all that unraveled, and finally, when I saw I couldn't straighten it out, I had to throw it away, and that took time. Remember, time is the wonderful thing we have in the family of God. You don't have much time in the church because the church is an earthly institution. The church will be in heaven, but not known as the church, known rather as the bride of Christ, the family of God. But the church doesn't have a lot of time, and that's where we're getting all our pressure, because the church says if you don't do this and don't do that, you're not going to be this, and if you don't hurry up, you're going to lose time. I mean, your time's going to pass on you. Well, now that you see that you have the sperm of the seed of God in you, you're not bound by that kind of time anymore. I think one of the things most often said to me is, what about all these people that are not coming to see Christ? All these believers, multitudes of them. What about all these church members that don't know a thing about the Christ life, who have never even thought of our union with God? What about them? They're children of God. They're our brothers and sisters. They're going to be in the Father's house just like you are, by translation just like you go, by death just like you go. They're going to be there. But there's one thing that's going to be different. Our Father in His house has a kindergarten. And all these believers who don't know who they are in Christ, I believe, are going to be studying this Word when they get there. What do we said about this Word? It's eternal. So it isn't going to change with the coming of the Lord. Isn't going to change because of the resurrection morning. So people who don't learn Christ now are going to have to learn Him later. People who don't know who they are in Christ now are going to know later. Because God's going to set them down. In the meantime, you and I are going to be ruling and reigning. So if you wonder why you're going through all of this, why you're sitting here instead of over here in the building with 5,000 people jumping and hollering and getting a miracle, you can remember you're sitting here because you don't want to do it and you get to the Father's house. When I get up there and have a resurrection body, that body will be more akin to my spirit than my body is now. And I'll enjoy it a whole lot more. Being with the Lord, shouting and hollering and whatever they do there, it'll fit a lot better. Not that I don't believe in it here. It's just it'll fit better there. What fits here? My learning. My schooling. The making of a son. That's what fits here now. So if you don't learn it now, you're going to learn it later. What makes you want to learn it now then? I love him. I've fallen in love with him. Never forget that. So what happened is that you and I had God in an act of love to put his seed in us. A good way to quote John 3.16 is that God so loved the sinner that he cohabitated. The word gave his only begotten son. He cohabitated in an act of love with that sinner and placed his seed in them and made them his bona fide offspring because they believed on him. Therefore, they will not go to hell. They'll go to the Father's house. Now, that's what the seed means. I have never in the teaching just separated the idea of the seed from the totality of what God is doing. 
You understand in this walk of the Spirit, we're really dealing with generalities now. So few people know what it means to be in Christ, and the in Christ message has been so sparsely ministered in these days that in our generation that we feel the whole of what we're doing needs to concentrate right here in this area till we get it fixed in our minds. Some of you have been hearing this for years, and you know now the importance of getting it fixed in your mind. Hearing it with these ears and your present mind is not at all knowing it. And once <coughs> you get it uh, fixed in your mind, you still got another problem, and that's the understanding of it. Remember, you can accumulate knowledge and not get understanding. So what we're doing in this earthly journey is getting the knowledge, and along the way the Holy Spirit is causing us by the rigors of the journey, the circumstances and situations, the CNS gang, to understand what's happening, to understand what's God doing, what God is doing. Once that takes a hold of you, you're ready to live. Now, I'd like to get you living just joyfully and happily and hilariously now. And many times we do. But we are still learning Him. Because God has not seen fit to take away all our circumstances and situations. So we have to learn in each one of them who He is by that circumstance and ourselves who we are by that circumstance. So God has put His seed in us. Now, the other day I came to an issue where the problem seemed to be that people said they were saved, born again, full of the Holy Ghost, and doing all these marvelous things, but didn't live the life. And so people said, well, how is it people could, uh, certain ones said, how is it that people can have all these glorious uh, experiences with God, saved, full of the Holy Ghost, do great works for God, and still not live the life? And so in my midnight hours when I don't sleep, early morning hours when I'm awakened, my mind begins to drift to that until the last several days. That's where my mind has gone constantly. And finally the Spirit settled something with me. It was in these three scriptures. These are the three scriptures that have to do with the seed. And the Holy Spirit said that the problem with people is they don't know what God has done in the seed. They don't understand the seed. They don't understand what's in the seed. So I said to somebody the other day, here we are, tripartite man, with right in the center of our being, our innermost part, Christ, as life. Is it possible that God could put his seed, Christ, in us, and it have no power, no life, no understanding within itself. To come to this reasoning, I first thought that in the natural, when a seed is placed, a male places his semen, his seed, in a female, obviously it is not the force and power that's in that seed that she feels. That comes along much later. All she knows is the outer emotion and feeling of that love moment. She doesn't know anything at all about that seed. She, in fact, doesn't feel one thing about that seed in her the moment it is given. If we didn't have all of the aspects of Christianity 
to come to us about being saved. I have new life. I'm a new creation. God saved me. God forgive me my sin. I've been to the cross. If we didn't have all the rudiments of Christianity wrapped into it, we would have absolutely no inner feeling at all of salvation. And yet the moment we were born again, God put His seed in us as an act of love. Well, just like a little girl doesn't feel anything from that seed. In fact, it's uh, six, seven, eight weeks later, probably before she even knows there's a seed in her, even though she may begin to have some feeling before then. The facts are, she didn't get anything initially from the seed. Yet that seed is in her. Now, how does that happen to us in Christianity? I used to ask that question myself of God all the time. God, how could I preach and teach in Bible college and be an evangelist and do all the things I did and not know Christ was in me as my only life? Because you see, during those years, I thought I have a human life, I have a sin nature, and I have a God nature, and I'm trying to figure out which one of them is ruling. I had no concept of being born again where physical life didn't count anymore. I was a spiritual being where there was no sin nature taken out at the cross. The only nature I now have is the God nature. How is it I could go for years and not know that? It was then that it began to come to me of the Spirit about the seed. You can have the seed in you and it not be bearing fruit. It not be producing anything because that comes in your growth. That comes in time. That comes with God revealing to you what he's done. And that takes a love affair with God. Well, this is what we learned then. We learned that the seed has three component ideas in the Scripture. Three things the Scripture says the seed is. The Scripture says the seed is life. The life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. So the seed is the Son, and the seed is the life. Then again we see that spirit is what the seed is. The seed is spirit. Romans 8 and 9, If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's not of the family. He's not birth. So the seed has to do a spirit. And then, lastly, Peter said that the seed is the nature of God. By many great, exceeding great and precious promises, we have become partakers of divine nature. So the seed is the Christ life, is the Christ spirit, and the Christ nature. You can't really separate any of those, and yet all three of them, have a little different implication. It is all Christ, but it is Christ in these forms that we need to see. It means that if Christ's life is in you, that's the only life you now have. Now, have you ever reasoned that out? You know, I'm an old Baptist, and the favorite sermon of the Baptist is that you have a sin nature and a God nature both. And they're both like two mad dogs fighting and by the way you treat it, uh, one of them wins and the other loses, always in your life. 
We don't believe that anymore. We believe that if Christ's life is that, it swamps, overwhelms, and is greater. Can you imagine the devil and Christ being in battle inside of you? Of course not. If they two went to mortal battle or even spiritual battle, Jesus has him licked right off. But yet you do have a battle between Satan and Christ. Where is that battle? In your mind. It's not between the two at all. You just reason that for a moment. If God and the devil got into battle, who do you think would win? <laughs> well, you say, I'm involved. You're right. It is your involvement that causes the battle. See, it's your thinking. We'll get to that hopefully a little more later. So what really happens to us is that if we see we have Christ's spirit in us, Christ's nature, and Christ's life, that swamps and overwhelms everything else. It's like 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If any man knows he is in Christ Jesus, he's a whole new race of people. Everything out of the past has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that seems to be a word that the Spirit has for some of you here today. Everything out of your past is passed away if your mind will release it. It has no power over you because God doesn't reckon with it. Sometimes we want God to come and fight our battles of the past. He won't fight them. He'll say, forget them. Move on. Forgetting those things which are behind, let us press toward this new prize, Christ, the understanding of him. So you don't want to stay and wrestle with those things. If you see you got a problem there, God's not going to come and lick them for you so that they never did happen, because they did happen. If I know anything about the human mind is anything that ever happened to you is going to always be there. It isn't going to leave. You're not going to, you're not going to uh, get rid of it. You can come to where you forget it, except you be reminded of it, you won't think of it again. But it will always be there. So don't ever think God's going to take away all of that, the things that are in your mind. Your mind's like a computer. It's gone on the disk. And unless God cuts the electricity off and you lose that disk, it's going to be there, and he only cuts electricity off with the last breath. So it's going to always be there. In the meantime, you need to see that what God put in you was his seed. Well, the question came to me was, what about these people who don't live it? And I began to think, what we have done is to attack their expressor, the body, and say they need to quit doing that. If they quit doing that, they'll be all right. But that isn't where you begin the attack. You don't begin the attack in body. You don't even start with the clearing of the mind. You've got to start with your life center. You've got to start with the life that is within you if you're going to straighten out the understanding of who you are. You see, the seed has to do with who you are. God said, I, I am. Gary mentioned that a while ago. I am. What do you mean by I am? That's what I am. I am what? I am the I am. That's what he created. He created me to be something completed only by Christ in me. So I am what he created me to be. Now, you start with Christ in you. What is this? This is a God action. This is God putting his seed in you. God is the provoker of life. 
the man is the provoker of life. Women cannot bring life. What do we call this believer? We call him a wife believer. What is a believer? Paul's strongest connotation of teaching, he's a wife. 1 Corinthians, uh, two or three places, uh, in Timothy, other places, every place Paul deals with husband and wife relationship, he's really talking about this wife believer and the relationship it has with Christ. That's good. If Paul spent his time trying to straighten out marriages, he wasted it, didn't he? What he did, he spent his time trying to tell us where the center of our life was. If a husband and wife won't get along with each other, they have to see Christ in each other. They've got to have some other basis other than trying to straighten out their problems. Sad to say, an average marriage takes 20 years to find that out. Don't wait, Gary and Cindy. Do it now. That's too long to fuss and fight. If you don't start with Jesus, you won't work out who you really are. Well, the God seed is in you. The question is, is there any power in this God seed? Now, a little girl finds out she's pregnant in eight weeks. That's the first major term of pregnancy for abortion, eight weeks. She finds out she's pregnant, let's say in eight weeks. Did that put the seed in her? No. What that did, that finally manifested the power that is in the seed. So this is the first important point I want to make. When God birthed His Son in you, you had Christ in you as a power that's beyond description. Your problem is you never saw Christ as your only life. You saw Him as something that was added. Something that was given to you. Something you could put in your pocket, put in the bank, or put in your notebook. You didn't see Christ as your only life, so you got started out wrong. You got started out thinking, well, I got Christ to help me with all my problems. No, if you had seen Christ as your only life, your mind would have received the information, He rules over all problems. He's the head of this family. He's the total. But most of us didn't start out right. And so we're in this process of, of correction, constant correction. You see, this Christ in you has a flow. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. Christ has been made unto the wife. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He has been made those things. Well, all this time you didn't know he was there, he flowed with this life, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Before you ever have a thought in your mind, you have Christ's life flowing into your mind with wisdom. You know what our trouble is? We ignore that. We block it. Past ideas refuse it. Jesus in us over an issue may be saying, no. And here we are in our mind analyzing it, praying about it, taking it up with the brethren, calling some preacher, writing a prayer request in, 
What are we doing? We're damming up that flow. He's already said no. You already have an answer, but you're not used to the seed having any life in it. The Lord brought that to me this past week. I was doing what was real hard work for me. Chainsawing big trees, moving the limbs. They fell on my head, <laughs> fell on my leg. A preacher out trying to do something. One of them was a big oak tree. And I picked up a little acre and one of our squirrels missed. And I held it in my hand with some of these thoughts in my mind. And this, just a little bitty thing, an acre. And here I was. It was taking me a long time to saw through the trunk of that thing. And I wear out. You know, I had to stop two or three times. Because holding a big heavy hand, a chainsaw, and, and cutting. I don't know whether you ever did it or not, but uh, it's not easy to cut through a big trunk. And I'm not a woodsman, so I didn't know how to do it. I was just doing it. That little acorn. And the Spirit said, in that little acorn is all the leaves on this tree. Thousands upon thousands of leaves was in that little acorn. And the Spirit said, every branch on this tree, I had to cut off all the branches from main trunks to get firewood. And I thought as I cut them off, every one of those branches is in that little acorn. That big trunk I'm cutting through, that big trunk is inside that little acorn. Hundreds of roots spreading out 20 and 30 feet are in that acorn. And the Spirit said, the life is in the seed. The total life of Christ is in that seed. That's why Paul said we lack for nothing. That's why Paul said Christ is all. What did he mean by that? The total of God is in the seed that's in you. It's not coming. It's not going to be. Do you understand something? There is no more of God that will ever be in you than is in this seed. You can go to every meeting under the sun. You can follow every healer that comes along, every prophet, every miracle worker. But you will not get one ounce more of God anywhere you go than you got in the God seed. See, you're confused, aren't you? Because you're confusing the growth, which is expression, with the life that's in the seed. That's why nobody cares for acorns but squirrels. <laughs> because they don't see that total oak tree in that little acre and in Christianity by religion we have not seen total Christ in that original initial act of God when we were rebirthed the whole thing's there 
if you put your emphasis on expression of the Christ life, that's our union. That's our union. Remember, union life is the expression of that seed that's in you. It's not the seed. It's an expression of it. And if we weigh each other in this room by our expression of Christ, we won't have fellowship one with another. Because you'll sit here and say, well, bless God, I'm going to get some place where there are no breakdowns in marriages. Or I'm going to get some place where everybody gets sick gets healed. Or I'm going to get some place where everybody's sanctified and nobody talks about a weakness anymore. Or I'm going to get some place where there's not somebody going to a Catholic church or an Episcopal church or a Baptist church. I'm going to get somewhere where we're all alike. See? What have you done by that? You've ignored the seed. You're talking about expression. I'm talking about the seed today. So there's no more God to be given to you. If you ever pray a prayer, God, make me more godly, you need to say, God, I mean to express it. I mean you can't give me more than's in the seed. When my daddy put me as a seed in my mama, that's it. He couldn't come back a second time and make it better. That's it. One seed. One life. And that life is in the sun. So you got to get that fixed in you. Some of you are running around trying to find God here and find God there. The only God there is for you is in that seed. You can go in anywhere you want to. I believe that and I'll teach that to you. Go anywhere you want to to express it. I don't care whether you go to a bar. I got folks in the Christ life that go to bars. I got a singing group out of the Houston. Uh, or Conroe Institute to go to bars every Friday night and sing. Every once in a while they get to testify. You know Les and Claire Nash who are in our fellowship. Their son uh, is a big singer in Nashville. In clubs all the time. But we prayed for his little baby four years ago with leukemia and God healed it. And you know what he does? Every highlight point of his show, he talks about the healing of that little boy. And Clara's sitting out there with all those drinkers. And when she sees a tear in her eye, she runs over to their table and says, Let me tell you something. <laughs> See, I don't care where you go to express it. Once you know who you are, that makes the difference. What are these meetings for? These meetings are not for expression. These meetings are for us hitting the nail on the head and getting it down tighter on the plank of who we are. That's why I like you here. Because in this room, we need to get firmly fixed in our mind who we are because we're out there in the world where they need to see this Jesus. This is a filling station. Down the road to the destination. Now, the total Christ is in you because it's in the seed. Well, why in the world is it then we don't get something out of this seed right off. If the total Christ is in that seed the moment we're saved, why don't we get something from it? Well, it's simple. I know this is old to some of you, but uh, it's fresh to me by the Spirit, so you've got to put up with it. Whenever you were in sin and you had a Satan nature, a sin nature in you, 
What happened to your mind? It got used to the corruptible seed, 1 Peter 1.23, this mind of yours got used to the corruptible seed, Satan, overruling, running, reigning, doing, acting in you. And the moment you were born again, Satan was out and Christ was in, but there was no miracle in your mind. So your poor mind had to cope with an exchange of deities, an exchange of lives in you. That comes slowly. So what you have over here with Satan, in your mind, you have the thing we call the deep root of the law. What was it Satan kept telling you? Do this, do that. Do this, do that. Well, when Christ became your life, and by the finished work of Calvary, God was able to put Satan out and Christ in, what you still have in your mind? Deep root. Deep root. Sure, you have a full total God in you, but you still think like a Satan. How do we think of Satan? Oh, I've got to do it myself. Anybody gets ahead, it'll be me. Anybody gets it, it'll be me. I'll get all I can. I'm a getter. I'm a getter. I'll get. I'll get. And to have a severe change from getting to giving was a real crisis for us because God's a giver. Satan was a getter. Now, to make that change took time. What are you wrestling with? You're not wrestling with God. You're not trying to find God. He's in you. He's total in you. What are you doing? You're wrestling with your mind. There's where your battle is. Your battle's in your thinking. Stinking thinking. <laughs> That's where your battle is. What are you doing in your mind? You're doing your best to bring this Christ through this deep root that says, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, when instead Christ says, I've done it all. It's finished. It's total. It's complete. It doesn't rest on you anymore. It rests on me. That was a lie of the devil that said it depended on you. That's why you came to Christ. You couldn't work it out yourself. Isn't that sad? Because I see believers everywhere trying to work it out themselves. Why? That deep root's in them where the devil had lied to them. You've got to work it out. You've got to do it. And old Slewfoot pushed you out there into the midst of the battle, and about the time the bullets began to fly, he ran off. And you caught the brunt of it. But that was God's plan because that's where conviction set in. And you saw you couldn't save yourself. You couldn't fight the battles alone. You needed help. And that's when you turned to Christ. So what you're really wrestling with is this deep root inside of you. That's why every one of Paul's prayers was for understanding. Seven prayers he prayed. All of them have to do with coming to knowledge. Knowledge where? The problems in your thinking. Well, when divine nature, this God nature, took over, Christ Christ in you took over your mind. There was power there. 
The greatest power you have now is in giving this mind to Christ. Allow, Paul says, this mind to be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But you have available this same mind of Christ. What is in the mind of Christ? In, in Christ taking over our mind, what is it we have just immediately and automatically? Two things. You have two things automatically from the mind of Christ. First, uh, uh, first thing you have from the mind of Christ is God character. Character. I'm going to write that word out. Where is God's character? It's in Christ. It's in the seed. Now, I'm telling you about the power that's in the seed. In the seed is the power for character. In this world, that's very strongly believed. Potentates, kings, princes of past generation were very careful about who they married. They even married people whom they didn't love or didn't even like. And in most places around the world, parents picked who their son and daughter would marry before their son and daughter ever married, met their mate. Why? Because they looked for the power of that seed. Always baffled me being raised in squirmish America. <laughs> How in the world you could put two absolute strangers together and make it work? Because that's the way the Chinaman and Japanese, a lot of other people do it. Indians do that. How could they make that work? It's because they had confidence in the seed. Their attitude was they may not like each other at first, but they will in time. We know what's in them. <clears throat> they may not put up with their circumstances and situations right at first, but they will at time. We know what's in them. What was in them? The seed from the family. What was in that seed? Character. The God character is in you. What does that mean? There is a thing in every born-again believer that says, I want to do what is right before God. Church can't put it there and make it work. It's got to be in the seed. What makes people live for God? Do you think our hard preaching does it? You think hard preaching makes people live for God? Certainly not. I grew up in a holiness church, and the holier they preached it and the louder they preached it, the less we lived it. God just gave us a glaring illustration of that in our brother Jimmy Swaggart. Nobody was a harder preacher against things than he was. I mean, he was against anybody that disagreed with him, against the Catholics, against the Church of Christ, against CBS, against everybody. And he was right in a lot of areas, but that didn't matter. He was a hard preacher. Trouble is, he couldn't live it. Where is the character? It's not in what we think. Character doesn't start in the mind. It's in the seed. You ask a Rockefeller, what makes a Rockefeller if they're birthed by a Rockefeller? That's what makes them. You 
never heard of Rockefellers adopted anybody, did you? I'm sure they would. But they're not in the adoption business. What do they do? They've got a huge trust farm, uh, trust fund. The minute a Rockefeller's birth, he gets $21 million out of that trust farm, a uh, trust uh, fund. And they say they got to be birthed to Rockefeller. We've got to depend on that seed. So they take that seed and they train it. When God got ready to redeem this world, he put his seed in a little 14-year-old girl, and that seed came up through the body given by that 14-year-old girl. God depended on that seed from the moment he put it in Mary to the moment Jesus dropped the dead head on dead bodies at Golgotha. He depended on that seed to be his sacrifice, to not waver, to not wane, to not digress, to not turn against him. For his whole plan hinged on his seed being what he was himself. And when Jesus finally came to the end of his ministry, gave some startling facts. He said, I don't do anything my father doesn't do. I see my father do it, and I do it. I say nothing my father has not given me to say. What was in him? The seed. God tested it right at the beginning. It was like God said, I'm not going to have him out running around as a Messiah and a healer and a miracle worker unless I got this part settled about what's in the seed. So the first thing God did was let him go to the Mount of Temptation. And there God allowed Satan to test him on three major points. What was the test on? The seed. What's in this seed? What is he really going to do? He's got a chance now to take over the world for himself. My past so-called son, Lucifer, tried to do that. Will this one do that? Ah, but this one is different. Lucifer was created, didn't have my seed. This one's not created. He's birthed. He's got my seed. What will he do? He'll turn the world down. Maybe he's hungry and needs some food. We'll test him in body. Nope. I don't live by any bread except that that comes from the Word of God. What was God testing? The seed. What's in that seed? Is he fit to die on the cross? Is he fit to bear the sin of the world? Is he fit to die as all evil men? Is he fit to be my sacrifice? Is that blood in him fit? to cover the multitude of sins so I'll be justified in having many sons. Is he fit? We'll test the seed. And so God tested it. And Jesus passed the test. You want to know what the CNS gang is all about? Some people don't like me because I say you're going to have the CNS gang down to your last moment. You know why? It's the testing of the seed. You've got that same God seed in you. And God from every area, every idea, every description 
is going to be testing to see is there anything in that seed that's faulty that won't pass the test God's depending on that seed Christ in you well why in this world then do we not see this character of God in us you know what I believe I believe every birth child of God will do what is right before it's all over because it's in the seed I believe every child of God will turn from their sin before it's over because it's in the seed I believe there is power in that seed and I believe it will surface one good reason you can believe it is because every godly parent in this room that ever had a child to go wayward did one thing they trusted their seed I've had to do it I've had to say God you gave them to me I raised them in your name I gave them back to you I've trusted you and I don't care what I see them do now I have confidence that they're going to turn out right because I'm free to love now not their works not their actions not their sin but I'm free to love them Jesus said love your enemy you know who his enemies were? his own brother he came to his own his own received him not and the biggest problem Jesus had was with his own brother why he even said in one message that a man's members of his own household will be his greatest enemies he said there'd be religious people who would kill you and say they did God a favor and yet he said love your enemy We'll stop right here for this week, but hasn't this been interesting and educational to you? The In Christ Message, taught by Warren Litzman. Don't forget to check us out on our website, christ-life.org. Go there, read all about us, read what we're about with the In Christ Message, and we'd love for you to become a person or people that do the in-home churches with us. All you have to do is click on that link up at the top of the website that talks about the different ways to do that. We'd like to thank Robbie Litzman for allowing us into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account weekly. Also, Tammy Laycock, she takes care of the weekly podcast notes that you download with the podcast. And of course, this program would not be possible without our great producer, Teresa Ferraro, every week from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.